Okay, welcome to the story of America, and thank you guys for joining me here tonight with me. You've seen him before on my show in the first season that we had, and I felt it was appropriate to bring him back uh, for February and Black History Month, Reverend Michael Jordan. We've got a lot to discuss here. Uh, I felt that instead of going on and prattling on about you know Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and all the same old same old that we talk about every Valentine, Valentine's, but every February, uh, Black History Month. I felt it was time to leave the past where it belongs because those guys, uh, they'd be rolling over in their graves if they knew a lot of the stuff that young black people were getting themselves into, and for the sacrifices that they had to, that they had to make in order for us to get here. So I wanted to talk about some of the problems that we face in the community and solutions that we can start doing as a community today to kind of mitigate some of the problems in our community I mean, it's not going to solve them overnight but it will definitely make them a lot better mm -hmm. and so in doing that i started reading a lot of different books and right now the one that i'm reading is this one here by dr walter e williams uh, it's called race and race and economics. How much uh, can be blamed on discrimination? And mm. you know, he quotes a lot of things that I didn't that I wasn't even aware of. You know, I thought I was pretty astute when it came to to knowledge about Black history, but from from what I found out just reading the first couple of chapters of his book, you know, there were a lot of blacks that were worth millions of dollars in today's currency before the emancipation even happened and they were still some of them were still slaves and were worth at the time over four hundred thousand dollars and you use today's inflation numbers that's well over 10 million in some in some states and I was okay. not aware of I was not aware of that uh, that even through all the adversity blacks at that time were still able to use their entrepreneurial spirit and make success and some some people were so successful i mean uh for instance this guy here let me see if i can find it right here uh junius c graves in 1879 but it, uh he was a potato farmer and by the time uh he by the time of 1884 they said because of his success in producing a greater than average yield of potatoes per anchor and because of his being the largest individual grower of potatoes, he was called the Negro Potato King. And by the time he died, he had a value of well over $100,000, which would have been somewhere close to around three to four million at that time. Oh. And that was, uh, you know, before and after the emancipation, because he started it before the emancipation and finished afterwards. And as I was looking at some of those things, you know, we talk a lot, uh, a lot today. Well, it's in the media all the time about reparations and all this other stuff. And one of the things that took me was Frederick Douglass was quoted on that very issue about talking. Uh, about that and taking reparations and stuff of that nature and this is what Frederick Douglass had to say about that he said everybody has asked the question 
and they learn uh, and they learn to ask it early of the abolitionists what shall we do with the Negro I have had but one answer from the beginning do nothing with us your doing with us has already played the mischief with us do nothing with us if the apples will not remain on the tree of their own strength if they are worm-eaten at the core if they are early ripe and disposed to fall let them fall I am not for trying to fasten them on the tree in any way except by nature's plan and if they not stay there let them fall and if the Negro cannot stand on his own legs let him fall also all I ask is give him a chance to stand on his own legs let him alone if you see him on his way to school let him alone do don't disturb him if you see him going to dinner uh, to a dinner table at a hotel let him go if you see him going to the ballot box let him alone don't disturb him if you see him going into a workshop let just let him alone your interference is doing him a positive injury and I was kind of taken aback by that because it goes right back into the face of what the people of today are harping for and that's the reason why I felt that you are probably the best person one of the best people that I know personally that could could speak to some of these issues because uh, if left to the devices of today say you were born in today's time do you think that you would have been able to to uh, exercise the knowledge or the spirit of will that you did to create your real estate empire if you had to do it today with the way that people to pressure the people saying that we should uh, that you should be getting something from the white man as opposed to building it up yourself mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah that's that, that's uh, um boy that's a that, that's a lot in that question deandre um I, I i think that um as you were saying that i'm thinking wow it's the first most uh, millionaire potato farmer and i'm thinking like how did was he able to do that in that system uh you see um, america to me is just a um um it's a group of people that have come up with some systems that have that make America produce, like whatever it is. There's a system to get into the business of uh, pro providing transportation, be it cars, buses, planes, whatever, trains. Um, and transportation comes commerce, you know, and all, all of that. Um, uh, 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 the old adage is. Uh, land is power, dirt, owning dirt is power. And so they, they create these systems. So if you can get, um, if you can figure out how those systems work, um, uh, uh, race has little to nothing to do with, to do with that. Because a million dollars in a black man's hands in America is a million dollars in a white man's hands in America. Money's money. And so the, the color of the day is green and everything else is null and void. Now, if you want to get into the societal ills of it, uh, you, you can start to bring in uh, uh, systematic racism. 
and things like that. But, um, you, you know, I, I, I deal with stuff like that, but not to the, to the degree to where um, I allow it to be a hindrance to me. Uh, are there racist people? Sure, sure they are. Uh, is America a racist country? Um, yes and no. Um, de depends on, on, on where you live, um, depending on your experiences in life. And, you know, you could say, well, you know, I've never received nothing from my people. And then you talk to another Black person and say, well, I've received all my help from my people. So it just, uh, uh, all of that is, um, 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 it's part of the journey. Um, now, can you blame that on, well, you know, they didn't give me, they didn't give me, they didn't give me, they didn't give me assistance, you know, they didn't give me a chance. Well, I, I don't, um, I don't buy in, in, into that part of it because um, I'm a Christian and I believe in God. So uh, Democrat, Republican, Independent, Tea Party, or whatever, it uh, doesn't matter who's in leadership to me because I believe that God has a purpose for my life uh, and, and, and he's a promise keeper. His promise was an abundant life for everybody, everybody. And, and I'm in, and me and you included. And so um, will, will there be poor among us too? Just to talk about that. Because, uh, and all being poor to me means that um, you're, you're going to have people that are ignorant of certain things. Doesn't make them bad people. They're, they're just ignorant of finances. They're ignorant of the laws of, 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 uh, of money and taxes. Uh, you know, they're ignorant of, um, uh, how um, uh, I guess political situations, uh, political um, arenas work. Uh, excuse me. Um, so it's uh, um, um, it's systems to me. I, I, that's that's what I see when I look at America. And um, if if you can get within that system, then uh, you will do well in life. Yo, know, I. I agree on about the ignorance because uh, if it wasn't for the fact that I was going into the political market uh, a few years ago when I first started off trying to run for Congress down here in Mississippi, I would never have known the hurdles that you have to go that you have to climb over if you want if you want to vote uh, vote or if you want to run on one of the tickets that's not the republican or democrat ticket i mean to get on mm -hmm. to get an independent to get an independent ticket uh access to the ballot of the mississippi i mean you, you have to go through a whole bunch of hurdles and then you have to deal with the fec and all of their bull crap and how much money that they want you to raise from so many different people when some people ah. don't don't want to raise money they just want to to do it themselves but you have to follow their rules in order to get on it. And then they make the rules all types of ways. And that kind of goes back to some of the stuff that I was reading here in this book uh, that Walter Williams had wrote. And he talked a great deal about a lot of the systems that were in, that were set in place. Because at this particular time, uh, black slaves were hiring themselves out and they were 
doing mm-hmm. it at such a high degree that they were that they were called slaves of no master because they were making so much money by selling their services and then a lot of them would work all day in their master's field and then at nighttime they'd steal away and go work and sell them sell their services to another master and then come back by morning and go back to work and so they were you know getting very little sleep but they were making a whole bunch of money and uh-huh. it got to the point where some some slave owners allowed their slaves to sell goods and, and other uh, markets in the uh, out in the open market and trade and stuff but because uh-huh. their quality of goods were so were so good and they were so much cheaper than were white goods of the same quality uh-huh. they were they were making a lot more money than whites of equal status were and sure. they started uh, putting in place laws to try to prevent certain blacks from being able to get licenses and licensures uh-huh. to be able to do that but the market uh, is, and this is this is what uh, Walter Williams wrote about it he says the relative color blindness of the market accounts for much of the hostility towards it the mar- the markets have a notorious lack of respect for privilege for race and class structure white customers patronize black owned businesses because their prices were lower and their product quality or service better whites hired black skilled and unskilled labor because their wages were lower and they made superior employees so so at the end of the day during that time even with all of the restrictions and restraints that were placed upon blacks because they offered a, a better degree of work and they didn't have to get paid as high as a white person was getting paid because let's face it during those times as a slave you really didn't have a lot of need for money so they could get they could get by on making twelve dollars a month where a white person would come in and try to do the same job for eighteen dollars a month mm-hmm. and in fact that was one of the cases I said uh, it said here in one of the cases that uh, blacks blacks were smart enough at the time to trick whites of the same category and same job description they they tricked them into going on strike for eighteen dollars a month while all the blacks were doing theirs for sixteen and what wind up happening was the all of the whites that were good enough they kept and the rest of them were replaced with blacks (laughs) so uh, it was it was always about profit how much money it could could be made and I think uh, a lot of that has to do with some of the major advancements that blacks have had I mean we talked about this before about the period of time between the emancipation of slaves uh-huh. to the roaring 20s and how quickly blacks were able to close the educational gap between blacks and whites in mm-hmm. so short a period of time but now we're seeing almost a and this is and it's not wholly a black problem right now but it it is more concerning to me 
that it is a black problem because obviously being black it is an issue that affects us because uh, people can say that they don't judge they don't stereotype as much as they want to but the fact is is the system stereotypes and judges because mm -hmm. everybody has a credit score and everybody has a certain uh, expectation or potential based on the way that they dress based on the way that they smell based on the way that they talk and sure. So when you go to the market and you're dressed a certain way and you let's say you live in West Baltimore where the crime rate is through the roof and you have education levels where most of the people uh, who are graduating don't have a competency for reading or basic math right. and you're living, in, you're living in that area and you're the same skin color as those, as, uh, as those people are, people look at you differently than you would want them to because they think that you're one of just one of the other run-of-the-mill people because that's what that's they've cool. been presented with so mm -hmm. it's you know it's hard to say that we don't judge or that we don't stereo uh, stereotype it's not to say that these people are racist for doing that but this is the way this is the expectation that you were given and so it negative it negatively affects blacks for one area to do poor while another area mm -hmm. succeeded because it makes it look like the people who are successful in the black community aren't going back and trying to help the black community. Do you see that problem? Right. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, you, you know, DeAndre, when you, um, that, uh, that, that's a very common thing of um, not reaching back. And, you know, every, everyone's so eager to get out of the barrel that, uh, that they don't want to uh, it's kind of like this. Like once you escape like poverty or struggling middle class living, you and then you, you get exposed to um, uh, quote unquote higher living. Um, uh, you notice that that those types of people that make that kind of money they think they think differently. Uh, uh, their approach to certain things it looks like they have. Um, a lot of stuff and, 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 and they make it look easy. But um, so to go back to people that um, are afraid to expound upon what they're doing, uh, that don't like the, the difficulty and challenges of getting out of that and of creating a new environment, uh, which creates new wealth um, I, I, I think that, um, uh, um, that that's, that's the difficulty of um, going back to help to help your own people, you know, because we, we're, we're quick to get upset with another race of people uh, that, that won't uh, extend handouts, but, but, but we're also, um, we, we grow silent on um, of our own kind coming back to help out. So it's, so yeah. it's kind of like a, you're chasing your own self, if that makes any sense. Yeah, and that's why, that's why I bring up these topics a lot because I, all of the time it's always white person this, white person that, and I'm always in the back, sitting in the background saying, well, what is a black person doing? This is, a, this is our community. And I tell people all the time, if it's our community, 
it's not the obligation of the whites to fix the problems in our community. Even right. if they created the problems, we're the ones that live it and that continue to make the problems worse. So if we right. want right. To, to get to the root of it, we got to fix the problem in our community before we go asking for people that don't live in our community to solve the issues in our community. Right. And then when you deal with, uh, with the police and governors and other politicians and stuff that also are not part of the community and you and you want to bring them into the community and stuff like that it makes it much more difficult because for one we don't have the relationship with police that we used to have where right. you know it used to be that the police in your area lived in your area and right. they built they built rapport with the neighborhood and stuff like that so that way if you you felt comfortable when you called the police, you felt right. uh, comfortable uh, when you saw them. On, when you saw them on side of the street, or you saw them at the gas station, you you know you didn't hesitate uh, to know that okay, if I call the police, such and such is going to show up, and they're going to deal right. with this in an appropriate manner. Because I know when I was growing up, uh, if we called the police, we knew that it was going to be uh, either Miss Deputy Wiggins, that's what we used to call her. Uh, we called her Miss Deputy Wiggins, or it was going to be uh, Officer Kozlowski, or uh, or uh, or Officer Joseph, and right. those people, we we knew them by name because wow. they were in the community so often, uh-huh. and then and they weren't there, you know, they weren't there trying to make bust or anything like that. They were just there to hang out with the people in the community. So we right. built f- f- relationship with them. It's and so. We we've kind of got away with uh, got away from that, and uh-huh. we expect we expect now that you send in the police to an area and tell them, okay, we need to go clean up this area. It's got a lot of crime. It's got a lot of drugs. Let's clean it up. But how do you do that if there's no relationship between the between the cops and the people that are living there that are causing the problems? Because I guarantee uh-huh. you, if the police had a relationship with those people, I feel as though the people will be more willing to cooperate and tell them exactly the areas where the problems were so that the police wouldn't have to go, you know, basically go in blind, trying to knock on door to door, seeing which, who's the one that's causing the problems. And then they, you know, then you wind up with the shootouts and get the wrong perp and all that stuff. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Relationships, DeAndre, that is a big one. Um, uh, uh, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to be a part of the uh, neighborhood association of um, with uh, with the with the with the police. Um, I, I was very upset when I didn't get to become a part of that because of that exact thing that you you just said. Um, we don't. Uh, there's no relationship, and with and with there's no relationship, there's no productivity. Um, I, I, you can romanticize. You can put it in any realm, the romantic realm. Uh, you can you can put it. Um, um, you can put it in in the business realm. If if there's no relationship there, um, it, 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 it won't uh, be productive. It will not be productive. So um, uh, that's one thing that black communities we do not. And we will not um, um, 
we won't figure out how to help one another. Oops. Oh, oh, oh my bad. I'm sorry. I tried to drop my dog. <laughs> she was joyfully playing with me, then she comes back. Okay. Uh, that's why uh, I gotta uh, keep my door closed for mine. Cause yeah, she man. she gets jealous when I'm talking to other people. Right. That's exactly what she she hears your voice. And so she wants to try and get the attention, but I'm gonna I'm gonna let her calm down, my bad. But um uh but but yeah, she uh but yeah, yeah, DeAndre man, it's really sad that we um as black people um don't we we get so comfortable with and and you can name it in, in the way that we vote well we've always voted like this or or you know and if someone steps out that box then we try and um ostr- and then we, then we try and ostracize them. so it uh um let me get the I, I knew I should not open that door. I thought I'd close that door. But uh, but yeah, yeah, DeAndre, I'm, I'm going to keep talking. Uh, there, there's something, DeAndre, that we have to change our thinking about when it comes to stuff like, like this. Um, I, I think that what you're doing now with conversations uh, is necessary. Um, definitely need to be talking to like uh, my old cat like me all the time because like we, we, some stuff we just miss and some stuff we just don't get. Uh, but like with your your generation, um, you guys are exposed to so much more, which is good and bad. Because um, like you get exposed to so much information and now the, the half of it is just for lack of a better word crap they, they just play stuff um but but the other half could be useful uh because you have access to all types of uh, news information and world and international stuff going on um which exposes your thinking to the way that there are other people out here with other ways of doing, of, of having thoughts and philosophies that will work. And that's the way that it's supposed to be. It's not a my way or the highway type thing. It's definitely not black and white. Definitely cannot say that. You, you can't go to, you know, white, all white people are racist and all black people are poor and dumb. You know, we're all criminals or whatever the label. Uh, that that is all Mexicans are illegal and rapists. Like 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 you can't make broad uh, statements like that and be a citizen of this world. So it, it's a uh, um, so I, I I agree, DeAndre. Something something's different. Got to be done and said. Um, uh, and uh, to me, information is the key to all of it information to being a christian information to being in business uh just specific information uh being in real estate because there's multiple ways of becoming a millionaire you can do it in trucking um so that in fact that's gonna be my next little adventure adventure and venture you know uh one of the many questions 
or statements that I get rather uh, from from blacks, uh, really from people in my generation, is they like to to blame the majority of their problems on the baby boomer generation. Like you guys are, <laughs> you guys are the ones that that caused all of this because you you you, you didn't teach us about credit. You didn't do do this you took all of the jobs you won't reti- you won't retire <laughs> and uh and and then you've taken all of the social security so there won't be any for us when we get ready to retire so that's a lot of the stuff that i hear all the time from people in my in my generation um me personally i have a slightly different thought but in lieu of those t- people do you feel as though people in your generation have to bear any responsibility for the problems of people in my generation? I I, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that, man. It was uh you, you uh, there's a saying that I heard a guy tell say years and years ago. He says people don't quit jobs; they quit leaders. Um, and that and a big and that that saying works and all facets because when you say, well, I don't know anything about credit. Well, there's no credit one-on-one class at, at Gosha High School. There, there's not. Uh, your mother and father did not take uh, uh, fin- finance one-on-one at Perkinson Community College, it, it, the, the Gosha District. It, it was, there was none of, none of that. Um, was the information available? Uh, available? Yes. How do we know that? Because other black people were doing that. They were becoming investors. They had 401ks and, and 5013Cs and I mean just all all types of things that were the information was av- av- available. So yeah, we did not um, you know, we could say things like, well, we don't have good enough jobs to be able to expound our income. I need every dollar to survive, things like that. Um, and some of that's true, but most, most of it's not. Because um, if, you're, if you're planting oak trees for shade, uh, a good leader does this. He plants them for shade that he won't ever live to experience. He plants it for the next generation. Because you know that they're coming. And you want them to have some form of um, uh, 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 financial shade, like like like. There's no reason, DeAndre, that you should not be able to find you a good wife, and then a relative bless you with a house. Like I like I've been to weddings where the wedding gift was an envelope, and in that envelope was the deed to a $300,000 home. Like I've, I've been to weddings like that. I've been to sweet 16 parties where the, the guy bought his daughter like a million dollar horse. Like, like what is that? It's, it's total ignorance in, in, in my mind, but, but if my daughter wanted a million dollar horse and I had a hundred million dollars, I mean, why, why wouldn't I do that? But that's the type of thinking that uh, people are going to have. You're going to have to have that's way out the box. So you're going to have to have this out of the box thinking. Um, we get trapped so many times 
and making everything black and white. And I'm big on black. I'm big on black, DeAndre, uh, because I believe that I was born black for a purpose. Um, but I'm also big on loving people. Um, so there, there has to be a balance there. Uh, uh, yes, have white folks done me wrong? Yes. Have black people done me wrong? Even worse. So there is a balance there. Uh, uh, have white people helped me get into business? Yes. Have black people help, help me? Yes. Have white people hurt me in my business? Yes. Have black people hurt me? Double over. So it's it's a um, the uh, this 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 the black and white thing can't be like the main source of it all. It's it's the it's the journey of life um, that 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 you have to experience. Like I, I like I I know that you wanted to get into real estate, and th there's a lot of questions about that. Um, a, a lot of people do, but most don't uh, because they don't understand the system of it. Uh, credit scores and um, uh, debt to income ratio and banking history. And it's just, it's, it, it seems like simple, simple stuff. You know, um, employment, employment gaps. Um, 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 you know, they say, well, I'll never make enough money to be able to own a home or to just buy a home and not own rental property. That's not true. You don't, it, it, once you understand how the system works to get the money, how to get someone else's money to purchase properties for you, and then for you to make a profit off of those properties and pay your debtors back. All of that, people have done it for thousands of years. So it's not like, you no. Know, well, you know, it's a white man's game. No, that that is a system of business. Like money is money. It 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 has no color, no color line, no culture line, no none of that. You know, I I agree with so much of that because uh, one of the one of the things I that I hear is is about leadership, and mm -hmm. I think that's probably. Uh, one of the biggest gripes that might be from this generation to your generation is at, at some point in time between, uh, I don't know, maybe the, the, the 80s and 90s particularly, uh, a loss of leadership in the black community, or at least the leadership shifted to more of these Al Sharpton, Jesse Jackson types of leadership where they were leaders from a distance. They weren't actually in the community, but they were right. using the community to get to get wealthy. Sure. And sure. it didn't it didn't wind up helping the community in in, in any respect. Uh, and so, uh, you know, you know, I've, I've known you for a while and we've done you know, Bible studies and Sunday schools, but I think the, probably the most important Sunday school that I have had, uh, and I've been going to Sunday school in my life, but one of the most important Sunday school I've had was the Sunday school that we did on the battlefield of the mind with Dr. by Joyce Myers, because yeah. I think that that uh, that book is the book that really started changing the way that I view and see the world. Really? Um, you know, I, I had I had already started my my change on that uh, in high school, but 
her idea of and if you want to see success you have to change the way you think right that you, you know not, not just success in the spiritual realm but mm-hmm. in the financial realm in your emotional realm in your marital realm you have to uh, change the way you think on a almost almost on a biological level right and in, in, in right. order to start reaping those benefits you know um, mm-hmm. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of uh, financiers talk a lot you know Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank he has a YouTube channel mm-hmm. and I listen really? to him all the time and okay. he one, one of his biggest tips is make your bed in the morning uh, yeah he says yeah. you know you st- if you start your day off making your bed uh, and he one of the biggest tips that I got from him on his YouTube channel was he said that if you really want to start making an, uh, an immediate improvement in your life he says Go to the bathroom at night before you go to bed and take with you a dry erase marker and write in the marker, uh, in the in the mirror, three things that you need to get done before the end of the day. And when you look in the mirror in the morning, when you when you go to brush your teeth, and you're gonna you're gonna see that and you're gonna have to get those three done, three things done, no matter what else you have going on in the day, those three things need to be done before the end of the day and if those right. three things get done the sense of accomplishment and the sense of right. personal pride that you get from that i mm-hmm. mean that that's that's almost you know that's almost like eating chocolate for the first time and you get all those <laughs> hormones and endorphins and stuff going in going up through you because it makes Magic. you feel some type of way yes and, you know that that's the type of high that people need to have <laughs> right right <laughs> It is definitely, uh, uh, it's definitely, you know, DeAndre, I was thinking about, um, man, I got blessed today so much, man. Um, uh, you, you know, I teach the, the juvenile class. Yeah, I was, I was actually talking about you and that uh, to my, I had a, a guest a couple nights ago, the Democrat uh-huh. candidate for Congress for our district, uh, okay. David Sellers, and he's a reverend too, and he's okay. reverend out of, Hattie, out of Hattiesburg, and I. I mentioned um, I mentioned you and the affiliation with the juvenile with the uh, juvenile uh, young lads and juvie, uh-huh. and right. you know, and he he couldn't help but crack a smile over across his face, knowing that there was another another reverend that was involved in that. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I I um um. <laughs> That that's that's awesome. And well, you know, DeAndre, I was I was um thinking about um, you know, they gave me like a little plaque today and some gift cards and all that kind of stuff. It was a totally a total surprise. because uh, the, the judge showed up and Pastor Siggers and my older brother showed up and, and my wife kind of tricked me into coming, uh her coming with me and uh, all the uh, counselors were there, and I was like, "Man, what's going on?" And they were there to to honor me for the six years that I've been coming down down there, fifty seven or whatever it was. And uh, I was thinking, I said, mm, "You know, it 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 felt so good, DeAndre, um, to be able to be honored for something that you love doing." 
Like I I I didn't I needed no praise to show up every Tuesday and like pour into these young people. Uh um 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 you know like I didn't need the pat on the pats on the back and stuff like that because this is what I do know. Uh man, if you love what God loves, uh success will always follow you. Always. If you love what God loves, success is guaranteed because um, if God is about loving his people and serving his, his people, you have to be successful in order to be available to, to do those things. So, um, um, so if anybody's out, out there that's going to be listening to this, man, uh, if you're not about um, uh, uh, serving others uh, uh, um, in any capacity, uh, your success is uh, going to be a hard road to hold, if at all, if at all. You, you, you're going to be attached to somebody some group of people some something you, you there's nothing that's going to be done on your own it, it, it's not possible yeah i i agree uh another question that comes up quite often and and when i speak about it is uh how a lot of people say how can you speak so harshly to blacks on issues, relationships with blacks and their crime statistics, particularly violent crime. That's the one that gets tossed around the most. And a lot of people, mm-hmm. uh, when they look at the numbers, they're like, well, well, well whites commit over 50%, 58% of, the, of all crime. But right. what they don't recognize is that when people are using those statistics, they aren't using overall crime. They're using specifically violent crime. And right. they use violent crime because violent crime is the type of crime that affects blacks the most out of any other denomination of, pe- of people uh, is violent crime that affects us the most and unfortunately it's usually us that's enacting it against us and against everybody else you know I've what I found most interesting was um, in in 2000 the census report for of the FBI showed that if you looked at any denomination of people, it was always the denomination of uh, of person that race committed more violent crime against that race. Exactly. But as of 2016, and then moving on to 2018 and 19 uh, census reports, now it shows that blacks are the number one offenders against blacks, against whites against Asians, not, not against the Spanish, Spanish are still their number one, but, and, and against Jewish people. And so now, so now people are starting to look at things in a different, in a different light, like, well, okay, well, blacks are just violent, or it has to come from, from some type of heritage, or a history <laughs> of violence. And then uh, some people who are uh, more extremist than I would than I would uh, like to say. We we'll always like to point to well, if you want to be technical, the blacks have been killing each other for 
for hundreds of years over in the Congo Basin. They've been going to war. Um, but you, when you actually do do the research and look down to it, it's just not the case. It's, it's just violence is the history of mankind. Right. Uh, this, this book that I've been reading, it's called uh, Conquest and Cultures. Uh, international history is by Dr. Thomas Sowell and what Dr. Thomas Sowell talked about in Conquest and Cultures is that many many times even though these are uh, you know great great atrocities if you look back from a historian's perspective they're great mm -hmm. atrocities but when you actually take a look back at what conquest of cultures from a economic a societal advancement uh, perspective goes into effect it actually winds up being overall good uh, for it even though at the time it was not good for those peoples but mm -hmm. it winds up becoming good for those peoples because for instance uh, there was a time when uh, the Ottoman Empire which was run by the Moors and when they took over the world they had advanced the world in mathematics and sciences to a degree that even the Romans did not were not able to expand and mm. then there was a time when the Egyptians took over the majority of northern Africa and they had advanced uh, things with calculus you know Copernicus was Egyptian and he was the one that invented calculus and they invented the modern uses of paper with the with papyrus and all the uh, right. and all of that stuff and mm -hmm. that, that came about through conquest then the Greeks conquered the, the Isle of Crete and the Minoans and they gained the different types of st uh, stone crafting and stuff like that and basically as a result of the conquest that happened between the Greeks and the, and the Egyptians and the Moors and the Romans you basically wind up creating pretty much all of Western Europe as a result of just those major conquests that happened between Africa and wow. the Mediterranean and you know at the time those were great atrocities but what we what we learned is the reason why Africa is still not the developing nation that it has that it that other nations are it all comes back down to commerce to, to trade you know uh, the okay. reason why the reason why Egypt was able to prosper as much as it was was because Egypt is right on the banks of the Mediterranean they can they can trade with uh, other nations like like Greece and Rome, and as a matter of fact, you remember Cleopatra had a uh, quite intimate relationship with Julius Caesar and hey, Mark Antony. Mm -hmm. And so, but when you take a look at at uh, places of Africa, like for instance uh, Zimbabwe or Ghana, where they have no shoreline. And if they do have a shoreline, the water's too shallow for boats and ships to be able to dock and gotcha. be able to unload safely. So now they've been left out of the economic loop because they couldn't get there. And so right. a lot of people say, well, Africans, they didn't have any seafaring people. But it's just not true. There were seafaring yeah. people. As a matter of fact, as in my studies, uh, African people made it to the Americas before Columbus made it to the Americas. Actually, yeah, before, the, really, bef yeah. before the Vikings even got here. Because you know the Vikings got here before Columbus as well. They got here yeah. uh, with, with Leif Erikson's uh, company. 
but the Africans had got here uh, early in, I think it was like 1000 AD. And, wow. you know, the the, uh, the, the, the Tashawans, and they, they had came over here and a lot of a lot of historians believe now that the reason why a lot of the Maya and Aztec uh, carvings had fat noses on them was because of the influence of the Tshashuan people who had journeyed over here from Africa and early uh, in the early 1100s. Yeah, that's and, yeah, awesome history, man. And yeah, so, where do you learn all this stuff at, Jeff? Right. Uh, I was just browsing around through the internet looking for the first peoples to discover America and I was looking through there and I seen an article on it and then I went to go to the library and I researched a little bit more on who the Sashawan people were. Wow. And you know, I you know, I just I said I'm gonna I'm gonna learn as much as I can learn about some of these things because I just found it interesting. Yeah, very much and, so, man. That that is such a an awesome thing, DeAndre, to have such a broad view of the world and history. I, I think that it's one of the, you know, DeAndre, I, I didn't get a chance to have this conversation with you, um, but I think th I think we kind of touched touched on about the critical critical race theory thing, but um, I know a lot of people are upset about that. Um, I'm upset about it, but you know, but for a different reason. Um, I don't necessarily want someone that doesn't know my history to try and teach it to me. Um, so in the schools, you have someone teaching about another culture's history that that they're not interested in. And so, now it, uh, to me, it, it's kind of a, it puts you at a at a disadvantage uh, when it comes to the next generation. But um, um, but I, I I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. I spoken with anybody young. I spoken to anybody young about that. Well, as you know, I'm opposed to critical race theory uh, because because of the issues that come from it. If it were about history, I I don't think anybody would have a problem with it. If it were about history, but that's mm -hmm. not that's not what the what the founders of critical race theory said it was about. And then when you when you break down the numbers, and uh, I've never been a big number guy, but when it comes down to history and to science which are my two favorite fields, you know, yeah. then the numbers become important to me. Uh, a lot of the stuff that these critical race theory advocates push for just aren't true. And in many cases, they don't do anything to advance uh, the black discussion. All it is is about trying to uh, make whites become self-defeatist, which isn't helpful to blacks, it's not helpful to whites. If they wanted to create a real discussion about it, uh, about it, about it at all, I would, I would say that you know we have African studies as electives in colleges and, and high schools. I would say uh, mix those things together 
in world history because you know African history is so is so broad or that when you look at world history you don't see a lot of African history in there and and that's because when they when you look at world history most of the time they're talking about Western civilization and right. for the most part Africa is not considered to be part of Western civilization it's considered to be part of Middle Eastern civilization and whereas China and China and uh, most of Asian of Asian culture is considered to be Eastern civilization the only real exception being that of Hong Kong and Japan which are still considered to be Western civilization and so Africa falls into a a neat space where it's left out a lot because it doesn't fit in the places where you would put it at when you're talking about the advancement of Western civilization uh, but okay. As, I said, as, I, as I've been reading well, Conquest of Cultures from Dr. Thomas Sowell, he has a he, he has a lot of books. You know, Dr. Thomas Sowell, he's over 90 years old, he's black, and he's probably the smartest guy on the face of the earth right now. And to me, he's the greatest uh, contemporary philosopher since Frederick Douglass. Uh, and his good friend, who was also black, Dr. Walter E. Williams, who passed away a couple of years ago, who the book that I've been reading as well, Race and Economics, well, uh, a lot of the things that they did were they didn't they didn't just uh, go based off of the works of some historian. In order to get this this data, in order to get these numbers, they went over there and they lived in Africa and in uh, many of these areas, Malaysia. And, and some areas in China and some areas in South Asia and they lived there for a number of years and researched and studied the culture of these people and the numbers behind it and and how they grew as a culture and how they grew as a nation and that's how they came up with a lot of these figures and numbers so I can use that a lot more accurately to reflect some things but uh, as I was saying I would not be opposed to having all of this type of history be incorporated into American history because to me there isn't a need for a black history month, there isn't a need for a critical race theory, there's no need for any of that because black history is American history and yeah. it should be taught It should be taught as such and I think that the reason why it's not taught as such is because for such a long period of time we've been trying to conserve all of black history into one month and that's yeah. the month of February you know when you go through school uh, you have the month of February it's that's usually the time in American history course or English class when you have to go through do a syllabus on black on black history do a research mm -hmm. paper on someone on someone black uh, that has done something in history for America and then you start to learn a lot about the Emmett Tills and some of the inventions of blacks and all those right. things but it's impossible to teach that much history in so short a period of time so right. rather than rather than doing that it's time to reimagine the American history curriculum and just incorporate black history into American history because it's all one and the same America wouldn't be America if it weren't for blacks. America wouldn't be America if it weren't for whites. America wouldn't be America if it weren't for the two, for the two whites and blacks clashing, 
the way that they have and helping each other the way that they have. Mm-hmm. Because, right. And that's you know that's just the history of it. And a lot of people are like, well, you know, they always want to focus on the slavery aspect of it, and the slavery aspect is is horrible. But if you're going to focus on the slavery aspect of it, you should not try to make America out to be unique in that respect because America was not unique in the respect of slavery uh, right. and the way that slaves were treated uh, by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, yeah. if, if anything, America will be unique in the fact that it is the youngest country to ever abolish slavery. And being you know, America being less than 250 years old, um, Whereas there are some nations like China that's over ten thousand years of age and still hasn't ended slavery, and a lot and a lot of um, a lot of talks about uh, issues involving um, whites and stuff like that. I think it would be beneficial to talk about how slavery ended in the Western civilization as a whole because you don't you don't hear much about that story either. You know, mm-hmm. I had I had to go do some research on on when exactly did slavery uh, around the rest of the world end? Because we know how it ended in, in America with in right, the right. war, but a lot of people don't know how it ended around the rest of the world. And when I was doing my studies, reading some Atomic Souls books uh, mm-hmm. on the history of slavery, turns out the entire reason why slavery ended in the Western civilization in the Western world was because. The British, after their defeat at uh, d- during the Revolutionary War, you know they they sort of realized that the colonizers, um, you know our founding fathers, were correct because you know there were two drafts of the Declaration of Independence. The right. First draft, the first draft gave emancipation to everybody that lived in America, right. and at the time, uh, Charles Dickens had suggested to Thomas Jefferson uh, that it would be difficult to have the country be founded if you tried to remove slavery because North and South Carolina and New York and Georgia, they would not have it at the right. time. Right. So they had, they had to eliminate that part out in order to found the nation to begin with. And then afterwards, Thomas Jefferson and Benjamin Franklin and many of the founding fathers, including Dickinson and Hamilton, uh, started making petitions to try to get slavery uh, ended for many times uh, before before it eventually became ended in 1865. Uh, mm-hmm. The biggest the biggest issue that Benjamin Franklin said was, and the same issue that um, Abraham Lincoln said for many years until he spoke with Frederick Douglass, and the issue always has been, well, you, uh, I think Benjamin Franklin's exact words, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, were, you take, you take the, uh, the savages from their, from their land, and you have stripped from them everything that they know, and then you want to release them on, onto the masses with nothing, and expect that they will uh, be benevolent towards you. So how? So there's like how? How do we emancipate blacks and give them uh, a a freestanding in society and have them not try to wage war against us? 
that was mm-hmm. their whole thing because they wanted you know, they wanted the freedom they just didn't know how to freedom and make it be mm-hmm. fair right. and ev- eventually right. that's when Frederick Douglass said to said to uh, Lincoln you know either you're going to do it or you're not uh, we don't need to if, if we can't do it on our, if we can't stand on our own two feet then by all means let us fall and Abraham right. Lincoln was fi- was finally you know like okay the heck with it I'm gonna do what I I'm gonna go ahead and do it now of course there was more stuff involved there was money and stuff involved right. like that but I mean but it was basically those words from Frederick Douglass that pushed Lincoln over the edge to go ahead and do it, it was. and yeah. then around the same period of time the British they were going around the world waging war against any and every country that were in that were uh, participated in the transatlantic slave trade from Africa because at, on, on the Ivory Coast and the and the slave coast you know there were, there were three coasts in Africa there was the Gold Coast the Slave Coast and the Ivory Coast the only mm-hmm. one of those coasts that is actually still rele- relevant today is the Ivory Coast mm-hmm. uh, but you know Africa's got most of its income through the selling of of salt, gold, ivory, and slaves. Mm-hmm. And so the British, they they threatened to completely wipe out the Brazilians if they participated anymore in the transatlantic slave trade. They waged war against the Spaniards. They waged war against the, the French. They waged war against the African nation of the Moors themselves to, to stop it. And right. I, you know, and I was kind of like, well, geez, this is never told. No one ever knows how it actually ended. And right. I found it fasc- fascinating that it took it took a war uh, on the other side of the world that right. didn't have anything to do with slavery to get the people who were the newest to own a slaves because the British they most of their slaves up until around the time of. Uh, the 1600s most of the British slaves and servants were Irish or Celtic or the, mm-hmm. or the, Slav- or the Slavic people yeah. and so you know they didn't really deal much with, with, uh, with blacks other than for trade for gold and it took like I said a war on the other side of the world that had nothing to do with slavery but everything to do with freedom and after mm-hmm. the British finally executed King Charles III who was by far the worst uh, king that the British had, and, you know, after they finally got so furious with losing to America and realizing that their monarch was, you know, the devil walking and walking in shoes, you know, they 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 became so disillusioned with the idea of owning other people that they waged this campaign almost almost single handedly ended slavery for the rest of the world. I just found that so interesting. But it didn't have anything to do with race. It had everything to do with okay, these people be, they kicked our behinds and they, pro- and they proved to us that freedom is more than than just having property and having the right to say what you want to say. Freedom is the, is the ability to be able to live and not have to be in bondage to somebody else. And they yeah. So I wish I wish all of those dynamics would be talked, and critical race theory doesn't do that. 
it only right. teaches it only teaches one thing, and that's the problem right. that I think that's the problem that led to to the creation of critical race theory was the teaching of one thing, except for the month of February when you would get all the rest of it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's my two cents on on that. Okay, good, good, good. That's that's very good because um, uh, this is what I do know, DeAndre, is um, a world without personal opinion is to me um, is a dictatorship of the minds. Uh, like you can hear a famous football coach, Bear Bryant said this, you know, I'm big in the football. He says, be leery of yes men. Like everybody in the room should not and cannot agree on the same topic. Like, like there's something wrong with it because everyone has an independent thought. And just just because it's for the people doesn't always mean that it's right for the people. So, you know, so you always have to like, um, always have your, a listening ear. And, uh, but most of the time though, DeAndre, I'll, I'll be honest with you. If you can look at another man and just with respect, you'll be able to see, you may not necessarily agree with it, but, but you'll be able to see um, why he says what he says or why he does what he does. You know, it'll give you that understanding of it to where it, they, they won't um, either frustrate you as much or um, uh, It'll give you a thought on how to deal with that person, either to walk away from them or just not to have those types of conversations with them. You know, you know, you can have deep conversations and shallow conversations with with people, with coworkers, or or whatever. And so, you you uh, if you respect someone, uh, I think that your conversations will be a whole lot more receptive. Like you can actually hear what they're saying. And, and most of the time, they will explain to you why it is, even without you asking that. So it's a, um, um, it's very, it's vital that you um, always listen to someone else's opinion, because it, it can only make you better. You know, and that reminds me, we, I can't remember what movie that it was that it, that it was said it was probably it was said in a lot of movies but there's a movie in particular that I'm thinking in my head where he said something and then the guy repeats something to him and he told him he says he says you hear boy but you do not listen and, and mm-hmm. that's that's one of the that's one of the main cases here is that a lot of times people hear things but they're so anxious to get their point their point across that they aren't listening to what they're hearing right. and they're comprehending what they're hearing because they want to rebut so so fast and so bad that they haven't allowed the time for their brain to digest what was just said to them. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, and so I, I tell I tell my uh, one of my hosts that I do for my Sunday show. I want him to I want you to come on one of our Sunday shows, which uh, which we do Bible study uh, Bible study lesson, because I, really? he want yeah he wants to um, he wants to see one of my mentors. In in Christ, I'm and I I'm his mentor okay. in Christ. So okay. I told okay. I tell him, you know, I've been I've been in in God 
all my life I tell people my story my sad story about my birthday presents and all that stuff all the time <laughs> where I don't get to have normal birthday presents and Christmas <laughs> gifts you know buy Bible bingo and Bible monopoly and all of this other stuff you know uh, completely unnormal things that somebody would get for a birthday present but right, right. I tell them that in all of my in all of my learning one of the things that I have done and I enjoy doing when I go when I go back to my home church in Charlotte and I go you know they they called me the professor because I taught Sunday school and and Bible study for a long time I donated a lot of books to the church library and so I spent a lot of time in a teaching position but my my favorite things that I that I would do is on Bible study uh, every Wednesday night mm-hmm. uh, you know we took turns uh, presenting the lesson and stuff like that and many times I wouldn't I wouldn't really teach one unless I was really feeling the lesson and mm-hmm. um, I um, I tell I tell Jay that I have an assigned seat in the church for Bible study <laughs> and my seat is the very last is the very last pew by, by the door I sit in the very back, so I don't have I I'm I have the least eyeballs on me, and I get to sit back there, and I get to listen to everybody else uh, make their make their comments, and so I I like to do that because you know I don't like to draw attention to myself for one, but I like to listen and learn from everybody else before I ever raise my hand to say anything. Okay. And, right. You know that, and that's that's what I that's what I always do. And, you know, e- and even when I would be at Sunday school in Mount Olive with you guys, uh, you know, I'm probably usually the last person to say something, or until you make me speak. Yeah, man, it's like put, <laughs> pulling teeth from you, man. Yeah, I mean, but it would kill me because you would always have like some of the wisest and deepest thoughts. I'm like, well, why why are you why are you holding this from me? Like, like you're you're robbing me of of my of my growth and my relationship and being closer to God. Like you can't sit on that. That ain't fair. <laughs> <laughs> but see, I, I you know to me, I'm not sitting on it. I'm just sitting back listening and learning. And I you know and I I, I sort I sort of picked up that habit from my pastor because a lot of the times when we when we would have Bible study or Bible school or and you know during vacation Bible school and stuff, uh, many times he would he would come in in plain dress clothes, trying to you know blend, blending in with the rest of the crowd, and he would just mm-hmm. sit there and not say not say anything and take notes and co- and, and just listen. And so I guess I started picking that up from him, or I just uh-huh. go someplace and I just sit back and I listen and I write down notes and I let somebody else teach me something for a change instead of me always right. trying to teach somebody else okay okay i like that i like that and so i guess i kind of picked that up and it became a force to have plus i don't like to be out in the you know in the big scene anyway did and i told my co- my uh, co-host that i have now i told him you know one of the biggest parts of doing this podcast for me was a form of therapy in a sense mm-hmm. because you know with my granny being gone I don't have anybody that I talk to anymore like that and then right. on top of that uh, 
when I was in college in public speaking, I made a 93 on every single speech I ever gave. And my teacher told me uh, that I would have made a 100 on all of them if I learned how to emote, if I learned how to be more comfortable in mm -hmm. my presentation of speeches. Right, so I right. said, so this, because I'm not in front of a real crowd, but I, but I am, you know, people are listening to me right, and, right, right. and people are seeing me on video if I stream it. And so this becomes a therapy session for me where mm -hmm. it not only helps me fill the void of not having my granny to talk to, but it helps me uh, improve those areas that I was worst at because, you know, I failed uh, miserably as a salesperson when I was selling insurance and when I was selling RVs because I didn't like to talk to people. I felt uncomfortable getting in front of somebody trying to pitch mm -hmm. them something that they don't want. Well, that right. they want, but don't know they want. You know, when you're in sales, you gotta make you gotta make them believe that they want something. Right, exactly. So, so now doing this, I'm, I'm molding my molding myself ever so slightly, and it all stemmed from that book, Battlefield of the Mind, because wow. I I started seeing things a lot more through that. Uh, uh, I started seeing God working in me. And the jobs that he made me do, because I, for somebody like me, who has who has a lot of pride, it took a lot of humiliation for me to accept a job holding up a sign on the side of the road for H and R Block. I know, right? <laughs> I, I know, and I I did that, and I held it. I held it up on the side of the road. I wasn't doing fancy tricks and stuff like that, like some yeah, of these yeah, people. You know, some of these people that have such pride in that in their work. And that's what uh, God was trying to teach me was that I need to be prideful and happy to have any job because he right. can take any job away from me at any time. And yeah, so man. when I when I went when I went from way up here on the totem pole of money to down here holding signs up on the side of the road and <laughs> then I went from that to something that was even more uncomfortable for me. When I worked for Lighthouse Marketing doing AT&T products, I was a door-to-door -door salesman. I had oh, to go nothing. knock on, I had to go knock on people's doors, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> people like people don't want this stuff anyway. And I got to go knock on their door. Ooh, <laughs> and I was like, I've, I know, my my first sale was actually somebody who had a sign on their door. That says we shoot first and ask questions later to solicitors. <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm knocking on this guy's door with a sign like that, and he's the, the nicest person I've ever met. But I mean, I had to I had to step outside of my comfort zone to do those sure. types of things. Sure. And to, to me, it was to me it was God's working in me uh, for this moment in time. Correct. Uh, and, pro and probably beyond this moment in time, probably for something that's bigger than this that I haven't made it to yet. But it was preparing me for this because I was uncomfortable uh, doing those types of things. I was uncomfortable mm -hmm. talking to people. And now you look at me. In the last week, two weeks, I have interviewed f five representatives to Congress for this, for wow. our district of Mississippi, wow! And That's I have awesome. run, for, I have run for Congress. I have spoken 
Uh, I have written letters to President Trump when he was in office. I've written letters to Congress, the present Congress, and I have spoken on the phone to uh, to a lot of high-profile people that I would not necessarily have felt comfortable doing before. Right, 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 right. And so I felt that this is, you know, it takes sometimes it takes God uh, humiliating you to do to to bring you around. And sure. I want to I want to swing this back to to black community. Do you feel as though uh, with some of the issues that are facing the black community that God might be trying to hum- to humble blacks of our present day? Because, I mean, uh, some of the older generation, even older than your generation, like the Thomas Souls, like I said, he's 90. So his generation was, uh, what, 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 what do we call them, the greatest generation, the ones that fought in World War II? Um, hmm. And... Their generation are looking and they're saying that uh, that this generation has has become lost because of the media that we consume, the music videos, uh, just how far our moral compass has gone away, and mm-hmm. and how little pride people take in anything that they do nowadays. You, do you see uh, any any uh, anywhere where God might be trying to humble? the black community to bring them back to to his mercy jesus deandre man uh boy that that that's that's um um it's a dead serious uh uh statement uh and question because uh man when you look at the moral fiber of just just at, at the black community there's going it and let's just take it back uh 50 years uh, man, in the 50s, man, we had more children being, being born to two-parent households. We had uh, over 50% of um, children that were born with a mother and father married. Um, we, we had higher uh, home ownership. Um, and, and so we look at the moral fiber of the godlessness of, um, of the black community. And, uh, you, you know, some people say, well, the wrath of God is coming. No, we don't need no wrath of God. We, like, we are punishing ourselves. Like, God says, look, this is the lane that I work in. If you're outside of that, I don't, it don't matter what you've been through, what your answers went through. If you're not working in this lane, right, this is the blessing lane right here. If you're outside of that, I have no help for you. Like I'm not coming way over there because your faith is weak, or that you don't know me, or you don't know who who uh, who I am, and 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 who you are to me. Like 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 none of that's God's fault. You know what I'm saying? Like we we can say, well, you know, uh, slavery. You know, there's a lot of things that we suffer from. Yes, there are. There are. I mean, from some some type of uh, genetic st- stuff from stress and uh, um, the way that you ate and all, all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can, there's there's some influence of slavery there because it wasn't that that long ago. But um, but all the rest of that, man, the, this moral fiber of of really of the United States. Period. Um, yeah, because it is happening to whites at an alarming rate as well. They're, right. They're, I mean, you know, our, our uh, rates like you said uh were two parent households more uh, 50 50 60 years ago and that was 
that was the norm for blacks and we were doing that at a rate that was higher than that of whites at that time right. and you know at the time blacks were mostly uh, out earning whites of the same occupation now this is when you're looking at the working class as opposed to the upper class but at uh -huh. the same right. occupation and the working class blacks were out earning whites during that time period but you flip that now and you know I, I personally I blame it on the introduction of the welfare system but you, you flip that now where it seems to be where now it's 90 I think it's 95 percent the recent numbers were 95 percent of blacks who are born are born to a single parent household and about 87 percent of the time that single parent is a as a black female and then you look at the at uh, some of the numbers that say if you want to uh, get out of poverty the best and easiest thing for you to do and Obama said these exact same things as well because the numbers haven't changed uh, is to uh, f get a finish uh, finish high school uh, wait until you're married to have children and uh, and uh, what was it and I think there was there was one other one is no it was finish high school get married and don't have children until you get married and mm. it, you you will increase your chances of race to the middle class by 75% just by doing wow. those three things. Wow. And, you know, that number hasn't changed. It's still relevant today. But you look at our numbers, and even with whites, the whites' numbers, you know, their their birth rate is down significantly as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and their uh, single mother stuff is up to like 67% where it's single single yeah. mothers and stuff like that so their rates are going up and it seems to be that the only ones that I've continued to prosper have been the Japanese uh, and the Jews they seem to be the same they seem to have the same numbers that they had during the war and that right. was after they had all their stuff confiscated and you know they also had discriminatory laws against them as oh. well uh, oh. you know and over in, in, in California uh, Japanese weren't able to purchase land or or, or lease uh, land for farming, and then after no, you know crazy. the war, they, they had everything confiscated from them virtually. But yet they're still out earning whites by over twenty percent on right. almost every area that they contend with, and I, it's because of the it's because of the culture, uh, <laughs> the the culture the, of the Japanese has not changed relatively speaking whereas the culture of whites and blacks in America have changed yeah, so dynamically you know, Thomas yeah. Thomas Sowell said that uh, when he went to Germany and he was interviewing and living among blacks in Germany he did not see the same culture of blacks in Germany than he did of cultures of blacks in America really and he said it's because there was he said uh, there was no gangster rap there was no uh, there was no black dialect, you know how mm -hmm. we have a our own yeah. way of saying things. Yeah. He, said, he said, uh, he said yeah. there wasn't. He said that that didn't exist, and he said the reason why it didn't exist was because there was no South in Germany. Because the, the reason why blacks have it over here was because that was the language of of uh, of poor Scots from Britain, right. and they those were the ones that primarily made up. The southern United States yes. and the antebellum South, and oh, but it didn't explain 
all of the massive uh, leaps to the gangster rap and all that stuff that happened. Um, and I, I still don't quite, I, I, and I've been researching for a while, I still don't quite see where the jump to that happened either because the, the last thing you know of is it's black people were really booming in the sick in the 20s with the roaring 20s and black people basically created the music industry with jazz and uh, a mixture of, uh, of things between the, between the blacks and the Irish uh, created the Harlem Renaissance mm-hmm. and the next thing you know 40 years later is Ice Cube and Muddy Waters <laughs> you know <laughs> like like what where was the gap that created that I still can't figure out where when it happened. <laughs> True. That's very... And I'm not speaking bad on Ice Cube. I respect Ice Cube because he's one of those. He's one of the few uh, African Americans that that was in the gangster rap stuff. That was in the gangster scene. That was heavy into the gang violence and stuff. Who has, in my opinion, he has done a lot to make a difference. He's one of the few that has, that sticks by it. You know, uh, his I I, just, I watched Barbershop Three lately, and the entire movie Barbershop Three was basically Ice Cube lecturing blacks, telling them it's time for us to do better in our community. Sure. And you know, I respect Ice Cube for those things. I might not like yeah. I might not like the music, but I, re- I I respect Ice Cube for what he's trying to do. Right. Well, if you notice something, and I noticed something about uh, that. The halftime Super Bowl show, where they had like Snoop Dogg and Dr. Dre and Fifty Cent and uh, who was who was other Mary J. Blige and Eminem, right? Okay, so these guys are now in their fifties. I think Fifty Cent is like forty-five or forty-six, and he was the youngest one on there. So, 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 um, what that tells me is this. I can look at every single one of those. I don't know them from rap anymore. Like I know, the, <laughs> I, I know them from television and uh, HBO series, and I know them from um, other business ventures like clothing and shoes and perfumes and uh, beer commercials. And uh, there's no music involved at all. Now there were some. And, and the reason why I say that they evolved uh, was because they're entertaining. So they got, so they got the, they saw the full picture. Ice Cube saw the full picture of, hey, I'm an entertainer. So if I'm, I just can't do, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not a like Shyamalan. And this is all I do is horror movies. Like I just can't do like all the entertainer like I can do kid movies uh, I can do horror movies. I can do uh, I can do comedy so it's it's a uh, uh, the is the one that's there is no way that do a rap song that You know, know, I find that interesting because I could say the same thing when I look at some of the people that uh, that I grew up listening to, and they aren't they aren't what I remember. Because, like for instance, Beyonce 
my first introduction to Beyonce was her singing Christian music and the Fighting Temptations. <laughs> you know, that was my <laughs> first introduction to, wow. to Beyonce. Wow. Uh, you know, was the Fighting Temptations, and uh, uh, so a lot of these uh, they have transformed and dressed completely different to the way that they used to, and things uh-huh. like that. And you know, pl- but you know, as I've got as I grew older, I tend to evolve and sort of reverted to an older period of time and musically anyway since you know right. I'm I listen almost every day to Pilgrim Jubilees and the Rance Allen group and you right. know, Rance Allen he passed he passed away what about uh, about a year ago in November yeah, uh-huh. yeah. and you know I I love listening to the Rance to Rance Allen I mean one of the one of the best voices that there is in gospel music yeah. but in you know down here in the south growing up that was the expectation was to hear gospel music now you know i was very disappointed you know me and my aunt Didi, we talk all the time when we were when we were driving in the car on the way to church and i was disappointed uh when the radio station that we used to listen to with uh, pastor sickers would be on when mm-hmm. they got rid of that block that we used to listen to our like, Christian songs on in the morning's times on yeah. there. You know, I was disappointed in that because we listened to the radio every morning and it's just gospel music on the way to right. going there. And they and they got rid of, you know, there's only two stations. There was the one station that she used to be able to get out of Jackson and then there was the station that Pastor Sigurds would be on. And then they got rid uh, of one of them. And right. then it was, hard, and it was hard to get the other one. And then they switched <laughs> it from... Uh, that they were now now they were playing R and B and blues on it instead right, of gospel right, music. Right, so, right. you know, there, there, there's been a culture shift where they used to say that the South was the Bible Belt, but more and more it's because yeah. it's, it's not it's not that way anymore. But it goes back though, though DeAndre, back to the mor- to the morality of the of your community. Uh, we don't care anything about each other. Any, any, anymore. Uh, there are no, there are no big mamas. There are no more big mamas. Like yeah, big, big, right. big mamas, forty years old. Like, like I, I had a little guy down there that I was trying to mentor. He was thirteen and his mom was twenty six. And I, I thought he was joking when he told me that. I said that. I said, wait a minute. I said, you only, your mother's Is only thirteen. 14 years older than you? He was like, yeah. I said, that means that your mom was pregnant at 13. Like, what 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 would you know, DeAndre, at 13 about raising a child? I didn't know anything. Yeah. You were like, you know, man, I don't know what I'm gonna be wearing the next day. Like that when mom- I was when I was 13, I I uh, I wasn't mature enough to have a conversation about a sperm and an egg because it's the egg <laughs> like a golf like a golf ball to me. So exactly. it was funny to me when I was talking about this. Exactly. So just imagine DeAndre, your mother's thirteen years older than you, and she has your whole life in her hands. Do you seriously think that you're going to one get um, um, and now mind you now? Big big mama's in her thirties, right? Granted, grandma is in is is in her thirties, and that's and she that's doesn't life. know too much herself nowadays. <laughs> right, 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 you know, 
you know, I, I I go back. I I say this all the time. It sounds cliche when you when you say it, but it's true. There is a severe lack of James Evans seniors in a black community today. What you mean by it, that? I mean, do you, do you remember the difference, the different dynamic when you would watch Good Times and James Evans Senior was on there versus uh, when they killed when they killed him off? Yeah, from the, Good Times. Yeah, for that the difference was was the, and I'm saying that there's a lack there's a lack of James Evans because I mean you watch Good Times. I'm I'm uh, almost thirty now, and if I and I watch Good Times, and when James gives a gives authority to his children in the show, I, hell, even my butt still uh, puckers a little bit because I'm like he's talking to me through the TV screen. But you know, that, there was a sense of respect for your elders uh, during that time that I, that I don't see in my generation where the respect just isn't there. Uh, the re- the reverence just isn't there, you know. I was t- I was talking to a, a friend of mine, and I was telling him, you know, there was a time when when the pastor would drive up the street, and everybody is outside under the tree drinking beer, drinking whiskey, and playing cards. Mm-hmm. They would put they would put all that stuff away when the pastor drove in. Now, right. they 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 have no reverence for the pastor or shame for themselves. To yeah. even attempt to put it away when the That's pastor right. drives Ain't up. Had nothing. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, I, I I grew up in a time, you know, which is which it sounds stupid for me saying in a time. I'm not even thirty years old yet, but I mean, this is how quickly the dynamic has changed. I grew up in a time where oh. when you drove when you drove past the church, you turned the music you turned the music off or you turned it down. <laughs> Now, people, I'm at church and I hear people blasting their music while they're driving past the church. Like <laughs> this wouldn't fly back when I was younger. Right, right, you know, right. it, that just wasn't happening. You turned it, it down. Right. You know, even I still do it today. I turn it down when, even if I'm listening to gospel music, I turn mine down when I when I drive up past the church, and wow. it's off when I drive up into the church's <laughs> parking lot. Right. right. But though DeAndre, that is reverence that that you've decided to uh, to follow, which you mimicked, because that 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 mimic behavior, DeAndre, was trained up from your from your grandparents, and so and so uh, here's rest assured. Here's here's the joyful thing about that, DeAndre, is this, is is that uh, you're going to marry a godly woman. That's going to be in agreement with the way that you guys were raised, as far as holiness and righteousness, and so the these types of things, um, uh, just like your background says, that's the story of America. We are Christians, and we are um, 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 we're. We're lovers of God and lovers of people, and and therefore we are lovers of success because all of that is is just intertwined with one of one another. The the knowledge, DeAndre, that you are gaining now and that you're seek, seeking, it's for a bigger purpose than just this podcast. Uh, I, I think that this is some seeds, man that's being planted because you're so young. Um, 
these are some seeds, bro. That's 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 that you're gonna reap um, in your future life. Not not that far off, but something's going to click. It seems like you know, man. Like dang, DeAndre just can't get the break. But like, there's a reason why you are working these particular jobs, having these particular people. Why you're running into these particular situations or whatever, like all of this is going to add up to something, and we do, and we just don't see what it is, or how long it's going to last, or how much it's going to be, all of that. But uh, um, um, but I'm I'm just looking back on my life. That's how I can speak it into into yours. It is coming. It is coming. It is coming. And get ready for it. Get ready for it. God has not yeah. given you that. You know, that reminds me of what uh of what Michael Landrum told me on, you know, around the time we started doing that book, Battlefield of the Mind, that's when I started working with Primerica Financial. And okay. I brought up I brought up the I brought up the book to Michael Landrum, who's the R S V P of our of, of my Primerica division. And okay. when I was doing that with him, I was talking to him about the book he said that was one of his favorite books and he said one of the things that that his pastor told him when he was younger is the same thing that you just told me but different he he said that his pastor told him to plant a lot of seeds and let the lord sort them out mm. and b- because you, you know and, and i over time, I've thought about that. I've thought about that a lot. And I was, as I was talking with my, uh, with Jay, when we do our, our Sunday shows, we're talking about uh, fellowship in Christ. And I was talking with Jay, and I said, you know, as I thought about that, I thought, of, I thought about how God creates this beautiful world of ours and how things are. And I said, well, you go to the rainforest and you put a seed in the ground in the rainforest. It's going to try to grow to be taller than the tree next to it, so we can get to the sunlight the most. Exactly. Because exactly. nothing can nothing can grow in the shade, and so what winds up happening with a lot of these trees is they produce a lot of seeds, and then God literally sorts it out because those seeds get blown off on the wind and they land wherever uh, they may, yeah. or they get yeah. eaten by an animal and they wind up planted, you know, two hundred feet away. Uh, right. And a mound, you know, and they literally get sorted out by the by nature, by God, by Mother Nature. If you don't believe in God, which we all right. do, yeah. but yeah. Uh, you know, and how he, I mean, you know, this is the reason why uh, science has more come along the favor of a grand designer because all sure. of this stuff is so uniquely woven. That it takes a master plan to say to say that how this is how all this stuff happens, that it happens by chance. <laughs> it, it's right. not possible that it happens by chance. That uh, that these trees and and grass and and insects and things like this they all play a role, and their role is to spread all of the stuff all over the world as far as it can mm-hmm. go. You wow. know, and so I, w- I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the magnanimity of God, 
and you know I've been writing my books for a long time and in my books I spoke on uh, on, the, on the size of God and the only way that I could could picture the size of God in my books was I created a, uh, a system called the Omniverse which was this okay. massive this massive universe that is sitting in the middle and then there's yeah. smaller universes that are called, they are they're called ultraverses and multiverses and they and they okay. orbit this omniverse and then there's small universes like ours which is massive in to us but it orbits these other smaller universes kind of like how moons orbit planets and sure. then all of and all of these are orbiting this one big universe that's so big that all of the like, it, it, like this one big universe is so big that our universe is like a grain of sand on the beach. That's how I envisioned right. it. And right. then I said, well, all of this is happening in the seam of the hem of a garment at the bottom of God's foot. <laughs> and that's how that's how that's how I gauged it, just how magnanimous and how how humongous God's presence is, where sure. He can be, where He can encompass all of that, and we can't quite understand it. Oh man, it's not fathomable, man. You, you can't put your. If you could put your finger on it, it would be limited. Oh, oh, I, oh, see, yes. I see exactly what you're doing. I, I, no, thank, thank God that you don't, because all of our visions are are limited. Our hopes and dreams, we we cannot. Scripture says it all the time. That we cannot even imagine the things that God has planned for us. I tell Jay all the time, I say to him, you know, if if our eyes you know, you know, you know how to how I how I spoke of you before on on how you can take from other religions to enhance your relationship with God, like meditate, sure. like the like the Buddhist meditation, and where the Buddhists they put the the uh, the Hinduists and the Buddhists they usually put the dot on their head or the the Sharma there mm -hmm. in order to focus on one particular point for their meditation, but okay. instead of us putting that there, our focus is in the back of our mind our focus should be on god and so when we go into our meditation that's our only focus is to try to connect with yeah. him and so i was telling jay i said i said could you imagine if we did achieve this state of nirvana opening the third eye like they have in the hinduist religion and god uh -huh. showed us all of the spiritual battles that he has fighting around Ooh. us every single day. Yeah, Could you imagine yeah. how terrifying and awesome <laughs> that would be at the same time to witness this battle that's going on around you yeah. at all times? Then you'd be like a happy baby man with a puppy. You'd be like, I got the dog, but I, I, I'm a little scared of it, but I'm a little excited. <laughs> You're experiencing both at the same time. Yeah. And then I, I, and I, then I, I told him, I said, you remember the? Uh, I can't remember. Was it? Was it? Uh, I think it was Elijah or Elisha, and uh, he, he he looked at his army, and his army had left him, and he had to face this entire battlefront. And God said, "Don't don't worry, because my army is with you." And he right, looked behind right. him, and the entire host of heaven was there. Right, I like. Yeah. Can you imagine? being able to see that on a daily basis that God has this hedge of protection around you that includes the host of heaven and 
one of and some of those beings and the host of heaven include beings like Michael and Demetatron, which they said in the in the uh, in the lost in the lost Hebrew uh, scrolls that the, that Michael and Demetatron had a presence about them in heaven that was so divine that some that when uh, who was it when John looked into heaven. He thought he saw two gods because the because the light that was coming off Michael was so powerful that he thought he was looking at the presence of two gods, not just one. And and right, and God right. and God commands forces that are that are that powerful, and he has that around you all day, protecting you from the forces of the adversary. Isn't that isn't that isn't that awesome, man? That is I mean, awesome. it, it, it's amazing, but, uh, but you know, as we're sitting here, I, I want to try to end it because we're it's getting close to eleven o'clock. You know, mm-hmm. we got yeah. stuff to do. Yeah, so I want to I want to try to bring this. <laughs> I want to bring this to an end with a final, with one final question on okay. on black on on black community today. Uh, if there was one thing that you could that you if you had a magic wand that you could change today in the black community that you believe would benefit us in the long run what would that be without question education uh education 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 uh because if you can enhance your mind because really deandre when you look at it um that's what the christian journey is it's the renewing of your mind daily. That that's why God says 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 that, man. If you, if you could get a people, a group of people, to take not gaining knowledge seriously, just just the the philosophy of reading. It's not because like college is not for everybody, but a skill is for everybody. Everybody's good at something. But if you but if you don't come into the knowledge of it, then you won't ever uh, maximize your full potential that you came here with. So for the black community, uh, DeAndre, I would say education. Just read, 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 read. Listen, listen, read, read, listen, 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 read, read. And so um, because uh, the old saying is knowledge is king. Like whoever has the most knowledge about cryptocurrency, about truck driving, about uh, uh, cable TV. Whoever has the most knowledge about that is the victor. And some degree, you are the victor, but you have to have knowledge of it. Because it is uh, as smart as my wife and I are, we're we're both college educated, uh, um, we both have gone and got a master's so we have master's degree experience and knowledge in real estate over the last 20 plus years um, so but it's all in sought after education I went like like this was not a college room that we gained all this stuff from it was from the from libraries and ordering books from Amazon. And then forming relationships with people that do that type of work, and then working that. So it's 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 a bundle 
of it literally takes a village and everybody in the village ain't black it, it takes a village of people of god loving god fearing people to um that your success is tied in i would be totally hypocritical and uh, to say that white people did not help me succeed in this because i've dealt with them all asians I've, I've had them work for me hispanics i currently have them working for me black people and white people i i have all different uh facets of race but everybody has a skill that i need and i'm willing to pay them for that just like i have the skills that people need and they're willing to pay me for it so um if if it was one thing deandre i would say education education i, I absolutely agree uh one of the things that uh uh, was was always said to me was find something that you're good at and be better at it than everybody else. That's and it. Was it? What Dr. Thomas Sowell says was he said he said to black people, really to young people in general, he said, equip yourself with a skill of which people are willing to pay a handsome amount for. Mm, yes. Be because like you said, college isn't for everybody. It's not for everybody, right. and right. it's and most of the stuff that I know I did not learn in school. Right. I learned on my own research, right. and reading and reading books. I mean, I got these two books right here from the library. This one is uh, on basic economics. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. You know, and wow. and it's huge. It's a huge book. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I I read them when I have the time. I renew them so that I can finish reading them. I have an audio book version of them. And I read, I read, I read, I read. Uh, Justice Clarence Thomas, he said that one of the things that his grandfather used to instill in him was we was that his generation, his grandfather's generation, fought and died for his right to use the library. So it was not mm -hmm. your right to use the library. It was your obligation to go to the library right. and take wow. advantage wow. of what of what we of uh, what they bled for. Yeah. And Clarence Thomas said that that's what gave him the ability to become the Supreme Court justice that he is, because he was educated, but he, he was ignorant. So right. he went to the library and he learned. Everything he needed to do, and you know, same thing with Ju with Judge Mathis. You know, Judge Mathis, he talks, he tells his story all the time, and then he went and he went to the library and he self-taught himself before he went to college to become a uh, a lawyer and then become a judge. And you know, wow. those those are the those are the type of examples that I think we need more of and more and to focus more uh, more on in our mm -hmm. community. Rather than us always focusing on the past and focusing on victim this and victim that, we need to yeah, take a look at all, at all of the opportunities that are before us and how mm -hmm. we could take advantage of them. Right, right. I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. Wholeheartedly, man. Wholeheartedly. You know, I thank you for joining me tonight. This is going on for longer than I wanted it to, but, you know, when we start That's talking fine. and, you know and then we... Really and then we start talking about we, God we, on top we, of that. <laughs>
we lucky it ain't turned into three hours. <laughs> it almost is. It's a it's two it's two fifty eight. <laughs> two hours fifty eight minutes. Really? <laughs> wow, man. because I start I started recording before. Uh, I st I didn't start recording, but I was, you know I opened this up before, about twenty minutes before you came in. So, okay, wow. Wow. so it's wow. st so it's, it's still close. It's, you know, take off the twenty minutes. We're still at almost three hours. <laughs> wow, wow. You wow. know, if this was earlier in the day, it might have been even worse. <laughs> oh man, it was way worse, way worse, DeAndre. Fantastic, man. It's always DeAndre. I got to start back with our Sunday school, man. I really miss talking to you guys hey right? i you know i asked ask you to start the zoom thing because you know i can't get up there physically but if you guys right. have to zoom i'll join in on zoom every sunday morning okay. i got you man I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back on that i normally uh we, we we wind up staying we always wind up staying out going to do something go meet with somebody or something like that but i'm gonna i'm gonna start uh cutting cutting that off and just and just do that. We maybe we got to go to dinner after afterwards or something like that. But um, I, I definitely enjoy this, man. What a blessing! It's always a blessing. I always tend to get blessed whenever I, you and I have conversations. So, <laughs> well, you and me both. And yeah. I just hope I hope that uh, that the blessing that you give me and the blessing that I give you is a blessing that God's going to give to the people who listen to this show, For because sure. that's the whole purpose of this. The whole point of the story of America is to let everybody know that we all have a story to tell, and we're all connected, and it's that sharing of knowledge, that ministry to one another, back and forth. Mm -hmm. That's how we. That's how we advance as a people, as a society, not just as blacks, but as Americans as a whole. That's how we get to uh, to the next right. stage, is by sharing right. all the information, all of the different stories of American day to day life. Is how we get there. Uh, and all right, yeah. with that, I, I'm going to close this down. I thank you for joining me. All right, all right, DeAndre, love you, man. You be blessed now. You too. <laughs>